Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. greater impact. Um, so as I said, my name's Tom Miller, and I'm here with my uh, teammate and my business partner. Maybe some of you have met her, Katie Ridenauer. And Katie's Hi, in the Charlotte area, and I'm in and I'm in Raleigh. So we pretty much cover uh, North Carolina both sides. And uh, Katie's been doing a lot of work with some schools in other uh, states as, as well, uh, Pennsylvania and South Carolina. We did some work in Florida and so it's been a lot of fun. So this is great that I know in this, this uh, book study, we have uh, people signed up all over the country, but actually all over the globe. Uh, we've got someone from Kuwait, I know, uh, signed up. And then we have um, our friend from uh, South America is always in a lot of our sessions. So you might be from right here in Raleigh, or you might be on a different time zone, wherever you are. Uh, you know, thank you so much for saying yes and uh, coming in. So um and there's one thing that you can expect. You're going to get some emails, you know, from me. And listen, the last thing I want you to do is get, you know, emails that are e irrelevant. So I'm always going to send you stuff that I think is valuable to you. If you don't think it's valuable, don't open it. It's okay. And I'm always going to send you a, a weekly a reminder for these, you know, sessions and where you can find the archives and uh, resources. And that's one of the benefits of signing up is that we're going to share with you what we're learning and resource-wise. And the people who didn't sign up, they're going to have to figure it out themselves, right? So we're a community that's built to help each other. And we are betting on leadership, which was one of the high, what high-performing organizations uh, do. So uh, as we get into the call, you know, feel free to unmute un uh, yourself to ask a question in the chat box. Um, this is going to be a discussion. You know, I may do a little bit of uh, teaching once in a while. You know, uh, Katie may share, you know, an experience. But we want to hear from all of you. Um, who, you know, want to share. So you can either share by, you know, putting a message in the chat or unmuting yourself or raising your hand, whatever you're most comfortable with. Uh, that's fine. That's fine with me. So in the chat box, I think Katie already put this in there, but yeah, let us know where you're from. Uh, where, you know, you know, what do you do? Are you a principal? Are you a teacher? Are you, we've got some superintendents. Are you a coach? Tell us what you do in your organization. And um, we'd love to just, you know, kind of get, you know, what is it that you're hoping to get from this time uh, together, right? So from, you know, reading the book is good intentions, right? Um, downloading the study guide is good intentions. Watching, watching the videos, listen to the, it's all good intentions, right? But the only difference between good intentions and success is intentional action. And so as I was going back through these uh, study guide questions, again, Katie, I told you, I was like, well, these were hard. Like they really made me think, as a leader of an organization, like what am I doing? And that's where really the, you know, the best information is gonna come from, from, your, from your mind, right? What you're thinking when you're either listening to you know, our calls or listening to one of your you know, colleagues in the mastermind group or 
you're, you know, reading the book. Like, it's not about what Mark Miller had to say about leadership. It's about what, you know, Jennifer Burgess thinks Mark Miller said, and I can do that, right? I, I'm, you know, fully equipped to do that, or I'm going to do that in my school or my organization. And I think that's where, you know, sometimes in leadership, I've learned that we become consumers of information. And I don't want you to be consumers. I want you to be to learn to be experts, right? I want you to be able to communicate the information and implement it into your lives so you can live the most empowered, uh, powerful life ever, whatever that life is uh, that you choose for you, right? Or that your higher power chose for you. It's just your your job to find it and, and uh, to go seek it, right? So Katie, so what? So what's your intention? You got introduced uh, to this book a little bit after I did. What? What's? What's you know one thing you'd really like to get out of this of this month that we spend uh, with each other? The defining what excelling at leadership really means, you know, because he dives deep in the book. I love the story format because um, I'm a big storyteller myself. But I'd love to hear different examples of how people excel at leadership. And you know, what does that mean? in their schools, um, because when we work with school leaders, they're always looking for new ways to do their job. So if we can learn from each other, then that'll be a win. Yeah, and, and it, you know, some of you may have listened to the podcast, I think you did, Katie, um, where he, he actually, um, you know, calls us all out and he says, how many of you can actually name an elite organization, right? Like how many? He's like, I, I would dare that you can get past 10, but we deal with, you know, businesses and companies all, you know, thousands of them all the time. How come we can't name, you know, 10 elite, like, and, and, and right. That's a really great question. What does, what does elite, you know, behavior look like? And um, sometimes, you know, I, if you've heard me rant uh, before, I, I, I say, you know, sometimes the problem with school is that, you know, we've all gone to one and that, you know, behavior of what we've seen of school is what we think school should always be. And it doesn't have to be that, right? There's, there are some schools that I would consider elite learning organizations. And there are some schools that are just good schools. They're just doing it, you know, the best that they can, you know, you know, based upon the best that they believe that they can. And I think when it comes to elite leadership, you know, Katie, one aspect has to be that there's no cap there's no capacity to your ability, right? I mean, this year might be tougher. Kids might, you know, perform less on some, you know, standardized tests, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to be successful in life because, you know, I got 700 on the SATs, remember everybody, and I think you get 670 points just for getting your name correct. So, I mean, we're not, we're not you know, you know uh, dealing with um, high, you know, level – uh, you know, thought when I was younger. So I like that, Katie. And one thing that I want to get out of this, you know, you know, is, is that um, excelling at execution, I think, is something that we, that I have a faulty assumption about, right? So when he, when he talks about these four things that high-performing organizations do in the, um, in, you know, the introduction, the fourth one was excelling at execution. But he specifically talks about communicating that execution strategy over. Mm -hmm. he, he said tirelessly, right, was the term. And he said yeah. communication is the oxygen, right, 
of of execution. And I I really struggled this morning when I was you know going back through my notes is what would that sound like? And we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about that in a second. So so in the chat box, you know what is it that you want to get out of this time? Like if you're going to invest a couple hours in reading the book, an hour in listening to the podcast, and you know four hours of this you know mastermind group in the month of January, what do you want to get out of it? Put it in the chat box. What what you would like to really get out of it? Um, so we know because I'm going to read this chat. I'm going to say I'm going to make sure that you know Robin gets what she wants because that's what she wants, and you know Murphy because you know you're the folks I can see, and Danielle Davis. Like these are the people who came. Like let's you know give them what what they want. And if you don't have access, you know uh, to the chat box, just say it out loud on mute. You know what you want to get out of this. So now we know what your intentions are. All right, so let's get started, shall we? After you put your intentions in there um, and you've got your study guides. So the first question that I asked was that was, you know, really, um, you know, what, what specific behaviors enable and sustain elite levels of execution? And I pulled this right from, you know, the introduction, Katie. And I know a lot of people, when they read books, they like to just jump right over all those, like, first couple of pages, right? But I hopped right <laughs> in here. And in that second paragraph, I think that's the poll, you know, Martinelli uh, teaching of me is that every part of the book has incredible knowledge and, and ways to think. And he asked in the second uh, paragraph of the introduction on page one, what specific behaviors enable and sustain elite levels of execution? And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So um, I love this. Thanks, Robin, everybody for throwing your, you know, uh, what you want. So, uh, so what, so what did you put And and you can unmute yourself if you want, but as an individual, what, what specific uh, behaviors, and I started to put like self-awareness of your own leadership and, and, you know, maybe empathy and having clarity, right? Clarity in what you want. Like, I feel like if able to, to have execute at an elite level, you got to be clear on what you want executed, right? Um, uh, the ability to uh, focus on priorities, right? To, you know, uh, the ability to either analyze or interpret data or, you know, collect data or inform yourself. And then I was like, oh gosh, but you got to be able to set goals to be able to do that too. So those are just the few that I uh, jotted down. I would love to hear from other people. So either in the chat box or unmute yourself or Katie, like what do you, what specific behaviors enable and sustain elite levels of execution do you all think? I have um, a few collective efficacy, you know, and just trying to get everybody to move in the same direction has been yes. always a challenge. Um, yeah, thanks, Robin. And yeah, when you share, tell us who you are and where you're coming from, because not everybody can see the screen. So, so that's so that's great. So, yeah, so like leveraging leveraging people, right, or leveraging resources, or you know, you know, getting everybody aligned moving in the same direction and that's that's that second bullet that act is one right how do we act as one i love that and what an important time right now under covid right is acting as one like we're all in this you know i wear my mask for not only me but i wear it for all of you too and this is what we're all you know trying to do and get to who else had something for how does an individual uh, behave to sustain elite levels of execution well, you won't be surprised that Joan Roman has a great answer. She says, I want right. to develop clarity in our shared vision and develop an understanding of the behaviors I need to exhibit in order to create 
or facilitate an elite level of execution. Yeah, the, the leader yeah. has to have clarity. Mm -hmm. And they have to have vision, right? Yeah. I mean, we work with leaders all the time that they're not always sure of what they want and where they're going to get to it. I say, well, but if you don't know, like how, how is Chad supposed to know? Like Chad's, Chad's along for the ride. He's on the boat. Where are we all going? And, uh, and we really have to have that, yeah, clear vision. I love it. Yeah, great, great job, Joan, as always. And I saw um, Natalie also wrote a shared vision by teams. Yeah. A shared yeah. vision uh, by And then teams. Jamie, Jamie Sumter said, I want to make sure I'm clear about how great we can be. Because I hear so many school leaders who think in limitation. I'm like, well, why is that the box you're living in? You know, why, mm. why can't we go beyond that? And they're like, well, can we? Yes, <laughs> COVID has taught that, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I tried to really work hard on eliminating the can word and just, well, what could we do, right? If, if, if there was no limitations to our budget, to our scheduling, to anything, like what could we do? And it, again, it goes back to that we've all gone to school and we think this is the way school should be, but, you know, Listen, if you've been on, you know, any of our sessions since March uh, 14th, I have been telling you school is not going to be <laughs> like it was before. So stop thinking that it's going to be. Um, over the summer, we had all these leaders during our uh, inner circle. I don't want to put too, too much effort into planning for something that I'm not sure how long it's going to be. Well, we're 10 months in, everybody. Like, I'm <laughs> not sure, like, this is it. Like, we are moving towards this. And, and our families are choosing to go to karate or to soccer over remote learning, right? I mean, this is happening everywhere where kids are, you know, missing class because they're participating in other things. Well, how do we, how do we start to evolve? So that's another thing that I would put to be an elite leader. You've got to be able to be flexible and, and evolve into, into what it is that, that our clients need us to be um, so we can uh, grow that. Right. And, and um, awesome. Uh, so Katie's got yeah, clarity and confidence and uh, Robin says, I, I got two words on my laptop, clarity and confidence in my work vision. I love it. Okay, perfect. So how about as a team then? So we talked about individual, what do teams need to do to work at elite levels, everybody? What do you all think? What are some of your reflections? Again, chat box or unmute yourself. Trust one another, Natalie tells us. Yeah, trust is key. Get mm. on the same page from Chad. Work collaboratively. Ooh, now the answers are rolling in. Uh, be vulnerable <laughs> and willing to share struggles. Understand what makes competitors wait for. Yeah, I mean, you're all in schools. So your competitors are the other schools. And what are they doing? And, you know, I don't know a school leader who doesn't like to share ideas because I think they know they're always going to get some, some idea that they hadn't thought of, or it's going to help shape their own idea. So I, I, I like that. Um, good communication and think outside the box. And Cassie, would you unmute yourself and share a little bit about what you meant when you said, yes, it's not a competition. What do you mean? Do you mind sharing with us? Oh, um, what I mean by that is, they can do so much more together than trying to see who can be the best teacher in the building or who can be the best fifth grade teacher instead of um, me looking better than you how about we 
work together to make our team really strong. Does that make sense? Yeah, you can only get so far by yourself, yeah. right? <laughs> so, but together you can change the whole school instead of just your one class, you know, you can change the whole school. So no, I think that's great. Thank you so much. And I think that's what the high performing schools that we work with, that's what they do is everybody swimming together, helping each other out. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it just made me think, you know, just a couple of, you know, where it's choosing we over me, right? And mm -hmm. that's, and that's hard. And, and, and I do a lesson where I, you know, talk about, you know, you know, circling the bases. And, 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 and I always was a home to third guy, right? I was all about, you know, building my own ladder. I didn't know how to build other people's ladders. And I didn't care about other people's ladders for a while. I just wanted me to be certified and the best and like, look at me. I didn't realize until I was, you know, five years ago, I was like, well, you can't get anywhere unless you build a team. You can be successful, but you can't be significant, you know, trying to do it by yourself. And then I also caught everybody building a team that completes, not a team that competes. And that's, you know, we use that DISC mm. uh, personality profile, really help leaders build their teams and make sure that they have all those different, you know, skill sets, you know, around them. Uh, so you don't have everybody with the same perception you know, bringing information. This is great. And in the Facebook too, I'm watching the chat box over here too. You know, we also have a lot of great uh, comments to, to, to see and believe vision and willingness to shift mindset from our friend uh, Beaches Brown. Um, so some really great uh, stuff coming there from a team aspect. So well, cool. So of the four, uh, you know, so he, so he said, Mark Miller said, high, high performing organizations do these four things. They bet on leadership, they act as one, they win the heart, and they excel at execution. Which one of these four are you most excited to learn about, Katie? Well, I know as a school leader, winning the heart was something that I needed to learn a lot about. Because <laughs> I was just like, let's just do it. Well, you know, why do we have to talk about it so much? Why do we have to be friends? Let's just do it. Um, <laughs> And, uh, didn't you so write a book about it? Wait, didn't you write a book about winning the heart? <laughs> uh, I did, but that was in, it was a classroom management book. But when I was a was school leader, I, yeah, I yeah, totally yeah. missed the boat. So, I mean, that's, that's mm. what I need to, I still need to learn. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely all learning. Okay, so win the heart for you. For me, it's how to excel at execution. So, you know, who else? What, you know, you know, what are, what are you most excited about? Um, learning from these four. What do you think? Excelling in execution. Yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, that that's a big that, one. That would be the one for me too. Um, I yeah. Feel like Thanks, Robin. I, yeah. Yeah, and, and this this next you know quote here, right? That that I think is from the female uh, consultant in the book. Like. She says, the results we are generating are perfectly aligned with the systems, structure, and practices we have in place. Does this sound familiar, everybody? I mean, and if we make no significant changes, I can confidently predict similar outcomes in the near future. <laughs> and I just wrote as like, yeah, you're going to get what you've always got if yeah. you just continue to do what you've always done. And so that, that, what does, you know, for me, like I keep thinking, well, what does excelling at execution look like? And I always, you know, challenge the leaders, you know, uh, that I coach to, to like, hey, like if your school was working at its optimum level, like at the best and everybody was just 
flying and, and, you know, feeling good and engagement was high, what would it look like? Like, have you ever taken a time to write it out? And, and uh, you know, this is how kids would feel. And this is how I know that they're learning. And this is how, you know, parents would talk about us in the car line and in the community. And, and to really, like, you know, going back to that vision piece, like taking the time to journal out your, your uh, vision. And I challenged them to do it for 10 days in a row. And every day start with a blank sheet. And by that 10th day, you should have some real clarity on what it is your organization, you know, could look like excelling in execution. And then it's about a backwards, you know, design, Katie, right? It's about putting all those systems and processes and trainings in place to get to that. But that's going to take change. And not everybody likes change. That's right. Not, Most people but, don't like, but we're fine the way we are. Well, is fine all you <laughs> want to be? It is because it's scary to think big, you know, and a lot of times people think big, but then they, they don't know how to get there. So they don't try, but you're right. You do have to think backwards that universal, you know, UDL, right? Mm -hmm. They think backwards until you can get there. And if you can't do it, get somebody else to work with you, right? You don't have to do it alone. Yeah. No, you can't do it alone. Because the same level of thought that went into the, you know, the issue can't be the same level of thinking that creates the new uh, results. You have to. And that's the power of this mastermind, too, is hearing ideas and thoughts from other people. And, you know, part of what we do is when we could, we would take, you know, school leaders to, to other schools so they could see high-performing uh, schools in action. Um, so, I, you, know, you know, I answer this uh, question here. How does this uh, statement align to, to the organization or team you know that I lead? And I just wrote, change is change is inevitable, but growth is optional, right? And so if you're not willing to grow, like you're just you're just going to stay the same. And you may like your results, but eventually there's somebody out there around you who's getting better, right? Whether it's a school, private school, charter school, district school teacher pods, who knows, homeschool. I mean, look, just in North Carolina, like, like, right, there, there's still 10,000 kids that they can't find. They don't know where, they don't know where they're going to school at. I mean, there's always competition. And I always see this quote here that I can constantly predict similar outcomes. It's destination disease. Destination, like, I got to a place, I'm better than the people around me. So therefore, I'm just going to maintain and float down the river and enjoy the view. But you know what I don't see on the other side of the river, Katie? There's a waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> that if I that I don't see it because I am enjoying I I'm enjoying the landscape just floating gingerly down this river. But if I continue to just stay in the same practices, just like what was about to happen with this organization and the football team, and maybe some of you have experienced this, eventually, you know kids stop coming to your school, right? Or mm -hmm. you don't get the money or the funding you need or the teachers start leaving. I mean, whatever it is, if you're floating around in destination disease, it's a, it's a real hard place to be. And you don't, what I've seen is that, you know, people don't know that they're floating the wrong way because they just don't have their eyes on the numbers, right? And having a vision of what excelling looks like. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to hear everybody's, you know, thoughts, right? You know, what were some of your thoughts around this particular statement that's in italics here um, that, you know, we just read? Like, how does this align? Like, what does your organization strive to be great at? Like, 
Do you have those things written down? And Katie and I talked about that during our morning call this morning. It's like, we don't really have this written down. We should have this written down. Like, what do we aim to be the best at? And what does our data look like in this particular area? And I'm not ashamed to say, uh, I don't have much, but I will, because this is awareness, right? The only way to get better is to become aware. So I'll stop talking now. Who wants to share from this last you know, part of the page? I'm not sure that mine directly relates to what you're asking to share. So if I digress, I apologize. But I uh, I wrote this on the on the Facebook post. I as I read this book, I was going back and forth between my role as a principal leading a team and my role uh, on the team of leaders at the office where the scenario was happening. Right. So I see Blake as right as my leader um, and so I was kind of, my mind was kind of going back and forth and I wrote uh, I, th I think the the most uh, reflective thing from the book for me and going back and forth is thinking about if our admin team can't execute can we be executing at our individual buildings um, so I was really just, I, I was uh, struggling with that because I feel like um, we've recently changed leaders in the last couple of years. I was really looking for this uh, big change to come through and I've kind of been sitting on my heels still waiting um, because we, we operated as silos in the district prior to this leader coming in and that was you know what I was so anxious for like we're finally going to be a district and we're not I mean we literally are a tiny like I, I taught in Wake County and I'm a principal in a district that has one uh, high school one middle school one three five building and one k2 building so very small um, but yeah we are silos and so I wonder how my role in each of those teams or in each of those roles uh, yeah I'm just really struggling with that. I don't know. Yeah. And that's, you know, clarity, right? I mean, that's, that's awareness and I can't change things until I'm aware. So now you're aware and now you can ask questions, you know, and I, and I just remember watching the Facebook, you know, feeds from April through August. Right. And it was a lot of responses where, well, we're waiting for our district to tell us. Well, we're waiting, you know, for here, like in North Carolina, you know, charter schools are waiting for, you know, DPI. And I'm like, they're not going to tell you because they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. Like they're unclear, just as unclear as you are. And that's, and that's the challenge sometimes when we get these, you know, bottlenecks of, uh, so having some, you know, clarity around where I can operate and what am I trying to execute? Like, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it, darn it. And it's just get out of my way. Um, but that doesn't always happen. Right. So that's a really good point, uh, Tricia. And, um, and Sean had said, uh, Sean, uh, uh, Dr. Sean Williams said, it's the law of the lid. And that's uh, John, John Maxwell's first law of his 21 irrefutable laws of leadership is that there is a lid on, you're the lid of your organization, right? So let's say that I'm your superintendent and I, you know, and it tends up here, right? And you're working under me, you know, uh, somewhere, Tricia, but I'm a five, right? Nobody in your organization is going to get above a four because you guys are constantly smacking your heads on me because I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't know. Let, let's see what they're doing. Let's see what they're doing. And like all the teams are like, 
we're all just kind of jumbled up, just smacking, smacking. And it's until I grow, me personally, you all can't grow. Well, you're all just leave. You'll go find a different leader is what you'll end up doing. But, you know, we have to remember that the only way to improve our school is to improve the leaders in the school. The school's not going to improve on its own. It's a, it's a, it's an asset. It's a wall. It's actually deteriorating in front of us. The school doesn't improve. The people have to improve. And that's why I really think that first, you know, bullet, that bet on leadership is that first part of Chick Halle's model. Like we bet on leadership. We grow everybody, everybody in their organization from top CEOs to the, to the drink, you know, folks, or if you've been there lately, they got, you know, people outside taking your orders under the, like they've all gone through specific training of how to do that. And then I think about the orientation days for our school. We never invited the front office staff. The teacher assistants didn't always come. The bus drivers weren't part of it. Like what, like what are we doing? Like we're, those are the front line of people. The bus driver is the first person that the kid sees every single day. And if they're not in tune to the culture of our organization, what does it matter, right? It all ties all together. Cool, great point, Trisha. Way to get me rolling on something that probably wasn't even rolling, who knows? Katie, you gotta keep me under control here, otherwise we'll go forever. I don't know about that. What Tom. else? <laughs> what, other, well, what other thoughts are in here? There's, there's some good stuff in the chat I think you've been paying attention to, so go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so Cassie Gorman said, you know, sadly, too many of our teachers are doing things they have always done, and I want them to move on. So I asked her, well, how do you start that change process? So she said, I want them to be able to see it, not hear it from me. And that made me think of the conversation we heard from Carly Fiorina a few years ago. Um, and she said, who, she was a presidential candidate in 2015. She said, the person closest to the problem has the best solutions. So I, I just put out there, well, what solutions do you think you te your teachers have about rigor, right? Because maybe if they receive the solution from the leadership, they're not gonna take it so well. But if they come to the leadership with like, hey, I think this is how we can solve the problem, they might be a little bit more on board. Yeah, and that's when we go to the uh, second page, Katie, that's, you know, right there, like, what changes have you attempted to improve these results that you're trying to get mm -hmm. to? And, and, and you're exactly right. Like, sometimes we try to solve, you know, problems, just like, uh, just like uh, Trisha's point, and I'm going to keep on picking on her, because she's uh, center square on my screen. Like, like, we're trying to make decisions up here. But we don't know what's going on down here, because we haven't asked anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so part of part of the part of the you know process or the strategy has to be how do we get the most relevant information from the people closest to the problem all the time all the time because you're right they're the ones that see it every day they're the ones that know it every day but sometimes we get stuck in this world because I'm up here and I have a title and a badge look at me that I have to make the decision and Tom, Joan Roman has an awesome point that goes with that. She said, our custodian is leading an awesome group for some of our troubled male students. Talk about someone closest to the problem, right? When a student yeah. stuffs toilet paper in the toilet, who's there? <laughs> it's the janitor. So, right. you know, he's close to the problem, but he's working with these kids 
and he's definitely going to have a different perspective and bring such value when, you know, sharing with the teachers like, hey, this is how you might be able to motivate these kids. So great example, Joan. Thanks so much. Yeah, I love it. So either in the chat box or open up yourself, like what, what has worked for you in the past to bring improved results, right? And what has maybe not worked in the past for you? And did you ever really take, take the time to reflect why it might not have worked? I prefer speaking than typing, so I'm just going to say I uh, would say, you know, if you were looking for teachers to change their old habits, so to speak, that sometimes it's about the numbers and sometimes from this book, um, you know, you, they got to own the numbers and the data becomes transparent and the data becomes shared and um, really uh, in my previous district, I really tried hard to build that trust with the team first and then we put the data out without names and um names and associations and then the data came out with names and now they're looking to each other saying oh your your ECCBM math scores are through the roof what are you doing how did you get that what are what's you know what strategies are you working on and so some of that then comes from them so really it's owning your numbers and owning the performance and really then trying to take a reflective look and asking your peers to help out for sure yeah, and I love that, uh, Tricia. There's been some really good comments we're going to come to in the chat. You made me think about um, results leave clues, so we have to understand that, right? So what are these, you know, teachers doing that are working? That's an important piece. But then for the other ones that are insecure, we have to remind them that you are not your results because your results can change, right? At one point, nobody could run a four-minute mile, and then Roger Bannister did it, and then like 30 people have done it, you know, since he did it. At one point, nobody flew a plane until the Wright brothers took four, you know, uh, winters to go to uh, Kitty Hawk, right, and to pull a hang glider up a big, you know, until, like, eventually, for 12 seconds, they hung in the air. 12 seconds. <laughs> four years to 12 seconds, right? I mean, so they were not the result. They weren't failed at first. And, and that's a really good point, you know, uh, Trisha and everybody. It's like, Data is critical. We got to own our results. And then we just have to ask ourselves, what role do I have in the problem? And how can I get better and help and help me get better, Mr. and Mrs. Principal, right, or coach, uh, to do that. What's going on in the chat box, Kate? I see there's a bunch of good stuff. Here. There's a lot going on in the chat box. All good stuff. Um, some people admitting, you know, what they failed at is trying to do mm -hmm. too many things at one time. Some successes mm -hmm. are around um, teams that when they trust each other, you know, they can get stuff done. So if you can build trust on your teams that, um, you know, they, they can really move mountains. Uh, and then Sarah Grafton put, I have found that if a community member knows I am truly listening to them, they will trust me when they need support. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, good. And this quote here, like I couldn't help but, you know, put it in here. Our team is awful. But we're not, no, our team is not awful, but we're not that great either, right? And then you just got to sometimes say that, you know, like, I guess, I mean, we're not the best of the worst, but we're not really like, you know, it, it, and so he uh, talks about playing chess and not uh, checkers and understanding that improvement is not possible without change, right? And, and so remember, change is inevitable, but growth is optional and there is no significant uh, growth without 
change. Like something has to change, whether it's, you know, your, your practices are changing, your habits are changing, your perception is changing, your awareness is changing, all these things. This is an evolution. Uh, and, and if you think about the best teachers in your school, I could guarantee you that they have a lot of those habits, that they are habitually evolving themselves. And um, that's a big, that's a big part of, of that growth. So this question I ask here, have you or members of your team stopped working to get better? And what are some of the signs? So let's just focus on the signs because I don't want anybody to call anybody out that they think that their boss has stopped, you know, growing or one of the team members. But what are the signs maybe of somebody has stopped working to get better, either a team or an individual? What are some things you've noticed? Well, sometimes their language is a dead giveaway. Oh, go ahead, Benny, jump on no, no. in. Go ahead, Miss Katie, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, you can hear it in their words, you know, when they're resigned mm -hmm. to, well, this is just the way things are, and they just feel stuck. And I think that can be a big clue. Yeah. Go ahead, Benny, take it away. <laughs> All right. Uh, typically, what we say here, uh, they become squirrel chasers. Squirrel chasers. They were locked in and focused, and then now all the squirrels are are catching their attention, and those squirrels are taking them further further away from the convictions and their passions. So, uh, not being a squirrel chaser. Hmm. It's interesting. So, is it is it because are they chasing squirrels because they don't like the results that they're getting? or what like what is causing them to see like the shiny object would you say uh frequent and, and it's a, a a myriad of reasons uh we have some that are not wanting to own the numbers uh we have some who are uh it's easier to focus on on someone else's squirrel versus my squirrel um and and, and i can fix your squirrel but i'm not going to worry about fixing my squirrel uh, uh so it is um, typical that, and and I think that um, what we what we have to utilize uh, better, and 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 it's okay to use that reflection piece. Um, to before I want to fix someone else, I got to put my mask on first and, and work on those things with me before I try to fix somebody else's squirrel. So that's what we we throw it out. Don't fix don't fix her squirrel. Let's start working on. Let's look at your squirrel. So. Yeah. In my house, we say, don't shit on people. I say, keep your monkey. That's your monkey. I'm not taking your monkey, right? I'm not taking yeah. your monkey on my back. <laughs> I love it. What a, what, a, what a significant challenge, though, right? It's like, yeah, we all got to own our own stuff first before we can, you know, relate, you know, to other people. Yeah, that's huge. Dr. Bradley, that's a good one. Katie, what else is in here that I may have missed or someone else who wants to share? What is, um, what are some signs of, of not trying to improve? So we have low level of self-reflection. Uh, so Vanessa said, this is like, if you're having a PD and people are like, I already know this, so they just kind of check out. Um, and mm. uh, people who are looking for a silver bullet, if we would only adopt this reading program, if we would only do X, Y, and Z, then we'd be an A school, as if there's just one thing that makes an A school. 
Yeah, there are no there are no shortcuts to success. I mean, there just isn't. Um, I love what uh, I I think it might have been Vanessa. Um, what was her uh, comment again? Hold on, you got to you got to rejog me. Uh, um, I just lost it again. A low level of self-reflection. Yeah, it'll come back to me. Train left anyway. the station. It's okay. But it, I did it challenge did. I even Jamie. tried to write it down. Because <laughs> I asked Jamie, because um, she said that the blame game, that, that's, a, that's when you know you're in trouble. And I said, well, how do you turn that around? So she said, we look at data and help them focus on all the things they can control and change. And, you know, data doesn't lie. So you're like, okay, well, okay, this is where we are. And then here are all the ways that you can move those, move those numbers. Mm -hmm. No doubt. So let's start talking about in our last, like, well, we got about 15, 20 minutes here. Um, how often do you talk about the execution of the strategy? And so when I, when I started to answer this question for myself, like I started to put myself in those shoes. I'm like, well, like Katie and I, we have daily meetings, right? And, and, but we don't always talk about the strategy as we talk about what needs to be done. Sometimes I'll ask her like, well, what are your next steps, you know, going to be, or she may say, you know, what are, have you done this before? What are some things, right? But it's not, it's not intentional. Like we're not intentional with talking about the strategy, you know, to get there. So, um, and I just think it's really important that everybody on the team and organization understand the strategy, understand why the strategy should, you know, should work, right? And each person's role in the strategy. I think sometimes that, you know, people aren't clear with their role towards the goal, right? What is, like, what's my part in there? Um, right. So, so when, when I do X, how is it going to take us to Y? And so I'm just wondering if anybody has had, had, um, you know, around this, you know, question, like how often do you talk about execution of the strategy and what might that sound like? Cause I'm, cause I'm really curious to hear from everybody. And I see Joan, Joan's got here in the chat box. She said, um, talking about the strategy is so important to understand the relationship between the strategy and the goal and ultimately getting us to the vision. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's easy so to remember why you're doing something. Yeah. What about the schools that, um, you know, this is interesting now, like I think about this, like the schools that don't really have a set, you know, strategy. It's just kind of like every grade level kind of does their own thing or uh, they have a lot of mixed, you know, pieces in there. That has to be a challenge. Like if I'm, talking about executing the strategy, I can't remember that third grade uses um, brain quiz and fourth grade uses, you know, IXL and it, there's just too much. That, that, you know, seems like a convoluted strategy. And I don't know if anybody's had that experience, but. Well, Tom, what that made me think about, this is Joan Roman, for those of you who don't know me, but what that made me think about hey, was when we made this transition in March to remote learning, what decisions did we have to make? And one of them, whether it was right, wrong, or indifferent, was we're gonna use one platform and we're gonna be consistent so that all of our families understand the platform that we're using. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that made us successful in the spring with our transition to remote learning. Um, so I think that's just a, a small example of, of why that's important. 
Yeah. No, you're right. And it's hard to improve, right, and make tweaks if there's multiple different strategies trying to take us to the goal. You know, it's just it's just hard because what what gets measured can get improved. But if I've got so many different things happening, it also helps you shore up your training programs and your teacher observation and feedback. Like you know, consistency compounds, and, and you're either communication. Yeah, I mean, you're either consistent with a strategy or you're consistent with no strategy, right? I think that's one of the questions I have. We have high high execution, but zero plan or, you know, no execution with zero plan. Cool. So so what might, what Joan, could you take us through? Like, what might that sound like? Were you able to write out an example of what a strategic communication would be about execution? Um, I can give you what my communication was last spring. I didn't write out an example today, but I communicated first to the staff and then to our parent population that we have selected one um, platform, one learning platform that we're going to utilize and we're going to set up our Google Classrooms in the same format so that if you have multiple children at our school at different grade levels, you will know how to navigate uh, consistently. Uh, and then we will include in that platform uh, a short training video for our families. So, yeah, it's good. And, you know, and I wrote down questions. I'm a question guy. So I wrote down what are the steps needed to take? Who do we need to get involved? Who can assist us? Who's done this before, right? And then helping, helping us think through the strategy and then mapping it all out. Right, and some sort of task analysis or something. Anybody else have an example of a strategic execution communication? Um, Tom, um, this is Benny. Uh, one of the things we talked about uh, with remote learning, we, we knew that parent and guardian uh, support was, was going to be vital uh, to the success of our, our remote learning piece. Uh, and so we reflected it back on what we did prior to, uh, I would say, March. March 13th, and um, we look back what happened um, that month after March 13th, and what we did it was a, it was a tremendous uh, snowball fight of, of communication, and it was so much so it, it inundated parents and it paralyzed them because it was so much information, and so the communication uh, to the the strategy that we wanted to utilize this year and what I wrote out was you know I, I went to the staff and I thanked them. Or their efforts in attempting to communicate with parents and guardians. However, I want your efforts to be fruitful and not ignored or, or go unanswered. I said, so let's uh, let's create a strategy when we communicate to parents. And so uh, we designated days where um, general school information goes out on Monday. Tuesday, uh, we send out great information. Wednesday, the counselor does her information to uh, for uh, any counseling sessions or or if the parents want to schedule a meeting. Thursday, uh, we push out information from our uh, elective classes. And then on Friday, we call it Fix It Friday. So uh, parents and guardians have an opportunity to reach out to teachers and, and, and attempt to fix any discrepancies or grade or attendance. And so we organized it. And uh, it, was, it was helpful because many of our, we didn't consider that many of our, our parents and guardians had multiple children. So if I have three children in the school, I'm getting inundated with so many messages and 
and it was it was really good feedback for us. And and this strategy has been so clean. Uh, and parents now say, hey, I know exactly where to go. This is where I got. I know what to do. I know when things start. And, and that's been a, a benefit and blessing. Yeah, excellent. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. I love it. Yeah, Travis gave you some, some kudos. All right, so let's keep rolling through here because I, I think everybody has probably fallen into this uh, trap, uh, this quote here. If leaders are not careful, we can get sucked into the day-to-day, that uh, should be frantic, I think, uh, pace of our lives. And while lost in today's busyness, we can jeopardize our future. And your past does not determine your future. And this is something that we talk about often uh, in our you know, trainings and our coaching sessions is about learning how to prioritize. What is it that as the leader, only I can and should be doing every day? And, you know, I have been lost in uh, today's busyness most of my life. <laughs> and it's always a challenge, right, to, 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 um, to make sure that I'm, I'm being telescopic, right, telescopic on the future but microscopic on the present. And as a leader, like you have to be able to, you know, um, you know, balance and harmonize those uh, conversations. So, so I'm curious, like where, where does this maybe show up in your personal or uh, professional life? You know, getting lost that, you know, in the busyness, what are, you know, what are some of the things that you're you know, sometimes getting lost in? It can be so easy to just say, yeah, I'll take that task on because you, it's, it's, you know, like I would just, this is a silly example. I still have my Christmas decorations up and I'm like, oh man, when am I going to get those down? And I thought, wait a minute, God gave me a 16 year old son. <laughs> so I delegated it to him. He had a teacher work day yep. today. I said, Hey, okay, buddy, you have a chore today. But I think as school leaders, I know when I was a school leader, it was real easy to do oh, I'll do lunch duty because so-and-so was sick. Well, was I really the best person for that job? Probably not. I mean, I could have lunch with the kindergartners, which is always fun. But, uh, but I think, you know, in the book, he says, we will not drift to greatness. So if we're not using mm. our times, if we're not using our time on those areas that we, we're the only ones who can do them. We're the only ones in the school that can lead and you know, create plans for the schools. Well, that's where we need to be spending our time. I love it. We will not drift to greatness. Yeah, no organization has ever drifted. It's a choice, right? Every single day, you're making choices of what you're saying no and yes to. And and you know, that's our choice. Nobody's making that choice for us, right? I I create my own busyness. I know that. Um, now it's I have to get in my head and you know figure out why and how do I get out of it right how do I stop creating busyness for me I think email is a huge time sucker I'll just say I'm gonna sit down and just reply to this one parent and then 10 more emails <laughs> fly in as you're replying to that one parent yep. and by the next time you look at the clock it's been an hour um, and that's definitely something I get sucked into for sure yeah and that's it happens for sure. I just stopped answering mine, Trisha. So that's just what I had to do. Sure. And I, I guess what, you know, communication is so important as obviously said in this book as well. <clears throat> and I am 
I need to step back and say, it's okay that they wait 24 hours. They don't, you don't have to reply within the hour. It's okay to wait 24 hours to get them a response, but it's hard for me to sure. sit on my hands and not just get it done. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and, and it's also easy, right? It, it sometimes gives us a sense of accomplishment in a very unpredictable world that we all work in. Uh, and sometimes it's hard, right? Because we forget that education has no capacity, right? There is no end line. There's no finish line. There's an end to the school year, but then he just, he just keeps going. So like you also have to remember, well, this work will never really end either. This work is also an ultra marathon times a thousand, um, right? So I don't have to be caught up. I, I've never met a principal who was caught up with anything. Um, except the ones that were just more about their own success and, and not the success of other people. Um, Vanessa's uh, sharing here that uh, to, to put away, put an away message on telling people when I will check email. So it's an automated reply. This is when I check emails. If it's an emergency, you know, go here. Or, or like you can actually like put like, hey, here's our frequently asked questions that you might be asking me. Um, so, well, great. I'm, good. I'm glad that's helping you, Vanessa. So I remember what uh, uh, I was going to share. Uh, so she shared that uh, Katie and, and helped me through the conversation was that a teacher will say, I don't need to go to that training. I already know this, right? I know mm -hmm. this. I know this. And we hear this a lot. And so what I'll say to someone is like, oh, those are actually the most dangerous words of a person's vocabulary. I know this. Because the greatest gap in life is, right, Katie, the gap between what we know and what we do. Mm -hmm. And so your response could be, well, I know that you know this, right? But data is an indictment of our current performance. So what I want to get is to away from knowing it and doing it, right? right? As a leader, that's, that's what you're trying to shift everybody is from knowing, right? I, I know how to lose weight. I've done it multiple times, right? But whether I do it or not is a whole different conversation. But I know the difference. I know vegetables are good for me, darn it. Like I know. I don't eat them, but I know that they're good, right? I know, I know that I need, you know, 30 minutes of moderate activity a day. I, I know it, but I don't always do it. So how is your reported, you know, data impacting your efforts towards improvement? Like what, like when you guys get, you know, a, a data and it's analyzed, like what, what's your strategy? What are your next steps for creating improvement? Who has a good strategy they think to uh, create improvement? They're thinking it has to be a really complicated answer, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I think it was that Tricia said, you know, there, there were a couple of people that talked about, you know, you know, data and results and you got to have a plan with it. And I remember my first at principal job, like we had lots of data, lots of data. It was everywhere. We had our mm -hmm. IXL, we had this, we had that, we had our benchmarks. And it always looked really pretty, but I don't, I don't think I was ever confident in myself to say, what do we do with it? <laughs> now right. what? Right. Yeah. And sometimes like the curriculum coordinator will just say, well, we just got to reteach these uh, five lessons. I'm like, okay, is that really what our strategy is? Like there seems to be a lot more. So I think if you're going to, you know, again, it's good intentions to collect data, but it's intentional action that's going to get you the results. So a question to ask yourself might just be, 
what is what is the important information like what is the important activities that we need to track that's going to inform us on whether or not the plan is working right so it could be not just teacher observations right but teacher feedback sessions or you know teacher improvement based upon the feedback sessions like just really think through what is it that's going to get you better results, right? And so uh, Patrick Lencioni is another great author that we love, and he's got his six questions to clarity. And question number four is, you know, how will we succeed? So being able to answer that question, how will we succeed, and knowing that response, and then tracking data towards those activities that create that success. Does that make sense? Am I saying that clearly? Mm -hmm. So know what gets us our best results, right? When we said, what do we want to be great at? We want to be great at this, right? Katie and I want to be great at, uh, you know, creating impact in a community through the opening of new, you know, charter schools, right? Or, or you know, private schools or, or, you know, making an impact by turning around a school. I mean, whatever that impact is, now we have to understand, well, what, what will create success? Like, what will Katie and I need to do to be able to execute that? Uh, and then we need to track all those, you know, parts that would get there. Now, we don't technically run schools. I just ran a school for, you know, four months and that was, you know, plenty of time for me. <laughs> I'm good. Four months of the time is about all I can handle. Everybody's just, you know, you know, this job's too hard. So, but really, really be uh, thinking about these, you know, questions. Where are we thriving as an organization? What are we the best at? Um, and this last one, what part of our organization, this is on page three, what part of our organization is being overwhelmed based upon poor execution in another area? I mean, that question on page 25, you could spend a whole day with your team mapping out, like, what's being overwhelmed? And a lot of times, it's the administrators are being overwhelmed because of lack of executing systems, because they're constantly putting out fires. And then they put out the fire and then they go, whew, all right, well, that fire's out. And then they just move on to what? The next fire. The next, the next fire. That's exactly right. But what they should do is say, okay, let's take 10 minutes and go, okay, everybody, how did this fire start? How did we not see it, right? Is there a broken system or no system? Like really problem solving and making sure that you never have to put that fire out again. Like this is what Katie and I see a lot in schools is the lack of systems, the lack of communication. And it's just a constant, you know, you know, back to that quote about the busyness. And that's something to be thinking on. Like every time you have like an overwhelming, something's overwhelming you, you can't get to what your key responsibilities are. You gotta, it's called observational thinking. Just slow down and look what's causing this. How come we're having these problems? And Joan did, has Any a great explanation. She said, um, we look at the standards assessed and the goals that we had set and evaluate the level of success and discuss what steps need to be taken to approve the results. So she think of plan, do, study, act. So create a plan, do the plan, study the results and make the adjustments and then implement an adjusted plan. And that's the part we don't see schools doing all the time. They, they'll create a plan and then they'll do it. And that's the end of the story. 
right? Yeah. But that, those other pieces yeah. are so critical. You have to study the results and then act, create a plan. And it's this ongoing cycle, right? You don't just do it mm -hmm. once. It has to be going on and on and on because you want to continuously improve. Yeah. But I love the plan, Katie. I fall in love with the plan. Yeah, you got to let it go. The goal. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's so let's end there for for this session. Um, but so we're right about the middle of a page three. But if you haven't taken the time, like these questions are really important for you to reflect with your team, right? What part of our organization is being overwhelmed, you know, based upon our poor execution in another area? Do I have the right people in the right positions? That's really, really important. And have they all received the right training and have the right demeanor to be successful based upon what I'm asking them to do? Hmm. Those three right there, I mean, those are really powerful that you could spend a tremendous amount of time reflecting on um, and all, all depending, some of you are, you know, have a team, you might be independent, you know, schools, you, you maybe are the team. And, and if you need, like, you know, we're happy to help you think through these, you can, you know, uh, schedule on our you know, calendar, and I'm happy to talk through these responses with you individually to help you think through better results. Because if, if you can't answer those three, what's taking the bulk of my time? Am I surrounding myself with the right uh, people? Because by the way, your success is determined by the five people you surround yourself with. And lastly, do they all have the right training? Because and maybe that's a story I'll tell you know, next week, Katie, is that when I started my business, I hired based upon comfort. Because it was easy for me to put you know, people in positions where I didn't have to have crucial conversations with them, right? Like mediocre results were okay. And then what I realized two years later is that I was like just, you know, working to serve everybody else, you know, to get their paychecks. And we had bad results in our finances, in our marketing, and in all sorts of areas of, of my personal business. And that was my fault because I didn't have myself, you know, I didn't, believe that I could do it, that I could be this leader to these, you know, people. And so be really thinking about that. Do I have the right people in the right uh, positions? And have I made sure that they have all the training and uh, demeanor to be successful based upon what I'm asking them to do? And then when we come back next week, we'll start here kind of at the bit at the bottom of page three. And I would love if anybody has a highlight reel of your school, Share it in the in the comments in the um, school leader uh, community Facebook page if you're in there because I would love to see some highlight reels because I think that was a really cool part of the book where he talked about how the highlight reel doesn't really show the truth of who we are um, and that was important uh, for me so awesome so great job everybody and as always what am I going to apply what am I going to change and what am I going to teach right so be thinking on these reflection questions and making sure that you're taking some action. And during the week, you know, hop into the Facebook group and tell us what you've done or what you've, you know, realized or what your new awareness is or a quote you read or a Mark Miller, you know, resource. It's okay. Hop in there, ask your questions and ask everybody. So, all right. Well, thanks everybody for hanging in there late. If you're on the East Coast, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, dinner time. So go hung a family. 
to go hug a family member if you're on the west coast and uh then you got the rest of your school day to be you know tackling but you be safe wherever you are and uh we'll talk to you soon bye everybody <laughs>